Hello and welcome to Pro Construction Guide's weekly series of ProCast. This is episode 22, Profiting from Aging in Place Remodeling Projects. I'm David Dovel. And I'm John Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us every single week for the Pro Construction Guide magazine's ProCast. They are podcasts built exclusively for you, the professional contractor. Don't forget, you can listen to any ProCast at ProConstructionGuide.com or iTunes. And Dave and I like to, we would love to spend an hour telling you about ourselves, but it's really not that interesting. Well, it is. We've been on the air for 20 years, done a lot of cool things, had great fun. If you want to learn more about what Dave and I do when we're not doing ProCasts, you can check us out at askjohnanddave.com. That's our website. And you can see uh, some cool stuff there. And we we certainly encourage you to... um, to take a look at that. Um, and this is the part of the podcast, if you've been listening for a while, that we usually uh, educate you about what's happening with the Pro Construction Guide magazine and the team and, and the website and all that stuff. But we're not going to do that today. Today, we just kind of want to reflect a bit because this is actually our 22nd episode. That's pretty amazing that, we, that boom, it's here already. Absolutely. Dave, we've had... A lot of cool guests over the month. I'm trying to or over, over the months. Um, who have we we've heard from Clint DeBoer on tools, right? Yes, good stuff. And then Mark Laliberte, uh, ventilation a couple times did some great stuff. Chris Landis did some website stuff with us. Um, Matt Rising, rookie mistakes, avoiding rookie mistakes. Uh, that was a very good one. Who am I forgetting? Um, we had uh, Mary Ewer from uh, the Engineered Wood Association. Right. Uh, you know, everybody's got a micro lamb in their project somewhere. It's good to understand that stuff. Um, did you say uh, Lucas Papa George? I, no, I forgot it. Lucas Papa George. Uh, from... Estimating best practices. Um, just, just great stuff. So go back and check out uh, the uh, the past shows and uh, podcasts or procasts, and I think you'll uh, you'll find that it's pretty versatile and there's great information. They're short, quick, and I think you'll pick up a little bit of information from each one. It only gets better from here, right? It does get better from here. And looking at the upcoming schedules of guests uh, that Gene from Pro Construction Guide team has booked, we are going to have episodes on boosting sales with free social media. Don't over overlook that free social media stuff. It's important. Uh, smart home technology, creating a profitable gutter business, and cost-effective cost high-performance building. Uh, be sure to keep downloading all these pod procasts and tell all your buddies on the job site about us. You'll, uh, you'll, they'll be glad that uh, you did. Awesome. So, look, uh, you can check out the stuff that we've done before at ProConstructionGuide.com. David just giving us a quick peek of what's coming up. But let's get on with what's happening this week because we've got some great stuff happening here. This week, we're talking about universal design. And we're fortunate enough to have a guest with us that has decades of experience as a remodeler and as an attorney. Now, there's a good combination. He's here to tell us about how you can boost your revenues and your profits by remodeling uh, clients' homes so that they can age in place. And most projects are easy to do. We're not talking, um, you know, launching satellites here. And it's affordable for the owners. So our guest today, without any further ado, is Dan Bauden. And Dan is owner of Legal Eagle Contractors in the Houston area. Welcome to the Pro Construction Guys Weekly Procast. Uh, uh, Dan, how are you this morning? And give us a 30-second bio on Dan. I am doing great. And thank you guys for this opportunity to, to chat with you guys. Very exciting program that you have. Thank you. Well, I am a design-build remodeler uh, in Houston, Texas, been in business for 35 years, um, and I am passionate about the aging in place and universal design um, theories and practices that we can do for people to remodel homes beautifully but put these features in 
that once people learn about them are very desirable. So I'm hoping that we'll learn a little bit about the uh, the Aging in Place courses where people can get more information today, but also go over some specific ideas on how you market this and how you can take advantage of a huge economic opportunity. There are uh, many baby boomers who are just dying to uh, write you checks to do this kind of work once they find out that you are an expert in it, especially if you have the, the certification in it. Oh, I'm so also you... a trumpet player and a singer in musical theater productions, and uh, and like you said, I'm on two of the world's worst lists, an attorney and a contractor. At the... <laughs> <laughs> so tru- I actually played the trumpet, uh, but a long time ago. Did you? Yeah. You never completely lose the chops. It's like riding a bike. Uh, okay, we're not going there because like, I'm pretty sure I got a hamburger lip anymore, but that's all right. So, look, uh, you hit on some things that, that kind of get you thinking about. Uh, you, there's some really legitimate reasons for, that a remodeler should uh, consider uh, becoming an aging-in-place specialist. You, you, you shot out a couple things about baby boomers, but what are some of the reasons that legitimately that a, a professional would want to consider this aging-in-place uh, and universal design stuff? Well, the bottom line to start with that is the big driver for this market is that everybody wants to stay in their homes as they get older. No one really wants to move to assisted living. But as we get older, our homes become less friendly, and we have trouble getting into the bathroom or into the house. So there is a huge economic opportunity to this, and and it's an easy sell because everybody has some sort of personal connection to this, either your grandfather, you've seen him having problems, your grandmother, or maybe it's your parents, depending on your age, or maybe it's you if you're you know, one of the older baby boomers and you're looking down the road. So there is a tremendous uh, oppor- business opportunity here to tap into this aging-in-place market, become an expert in it, become known for being an expert in your community, and believe me, the world will beat a path to your door. Awesome. So, there, I mean, there's valid business reasons to do this. Um, how, how do you – I mean, you, you have to market that, don't you? Is there is – there, some focus that you put on that from a marketing perspective so people know that you can do this? Yeah, I mean, there are certainly a, there are great things you can do to market it. Um, how you market it, uh, particularly if you're talking to a group about this, you know, a civic club group or something, or even an individual client, depends on the age and the circumstances of those the target market that you're going after. So if I'm talking to a senior group or people that are 65, 70 or older, I, I'll call it aging in place we do eight we specialize in aging in place uh, remodeling but if it's a baby boomer you know there's no way we would do that because they're in denial that they're getting older so <laughs> and anybody younger than that for sure uh, so we would call it universal design or livable design or sometimes i'll call it grand design because it's good for everyone from grandchildren to grandparents so um, there are so many circumstances that people have that uh, make this important in their lives and willing to spend money with a remodeler to fix it. Sometimes we do mother-in-law additions because mom's going to come stay. They want mom on the back of the house. Uh, We build an addition that's got a bedroom, an accessible bathroom, a living space, and a closet, or a second-story addition that accomplishes those things. Um, Sometimes uh, the the adult children just want mom to stay in their home, so uh, we're doing renovations in mom's home so that she can get in and out and live there safely as she gets older. So there's other good ideas for marketing specifically are to uh, use the PowerPoint program that you get if you take the Certified Aging in Place courses from NAHB, the National Association of Home Builders, and go do some presentations at civic clubs and senior groups. A lot of senior 
groups uh, meet after at, at some of the big wealthy churches around in your t- city or town, so that they're always looking for speakers. Mm-hmm. So you instantly become the expert if you're talking about this aging in place universal design stuff in front of those groups. And you're already doing some of this if you're a remodeler, so some of this is not new, uh, but the courses just greatly enhance what you already know. So, for example, you could get up in front of a group right now and talk about um, how to convert a tub to a walk-in shower. You've probably done that if you're a remodeler and because your consumers have been asking you to do that for the last 10 years, or putting in grab bars, but you need to be sure you're doing that properly and safely. So there's a lot of cool opportunities to, uh, to talk to the public about this. One of the main points that I use, selling points that I use, is pointing out to my senior seniors that uh, if it sounds uh, like $80,000 is a ridiculous amount of money to use to renovate your home so you can stay there, consider the alternative, which is paying about $80,000 a year, every year, year after year, till you quickly run out of money if you go to a nursing home or assisted living. So when people start thinking on that one, they realize, wow, maybe it really is uh, better for me to stay in the familiar routines of home or I know where everything is, I know where the grocery store is and the, you know, the, the trip to my doctor and uh, I know where the beauty parlor is and all that, and I'm used to, I can have my family in for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, people love those things. They root them into their homes and communities. So uh, if you can point out that they could be allowed to stay in their home safely for many more years with these wonderful changes, as opposed to going to an assisted living or a nursing home, it, it's a pretty easy sell. Makes good sense. So uh, what are the most common uh, aging-in-place renovations that, 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 you, uh, that you get asked to do, uh, Dan? Yeah, I'd like to talk about several today. Uh, let's start with bathrooms because that's the number one thing okay. that people ask and will approach me to do until they find out we can do other things in other rooms as well. But bathrooms are the, the number one place for people to fall and have accidents and even get killed. Um, a lot of that happens um, in conjunction with bathing, getting stepping in and out of a bathtub or falling in the shower. So we do a lot of uh, tub-to-shower conversions, and uh, the court, the NAHB courses uh, will teach you how to do that if you're not familiar with that. So it's a different process to lower the floor to make a walk-in shower, for example, if you are uh, doing it on the first floor and it's a slab-on-grade house. Mm-hmm. It's different if it's a pier and beam house. You're cutting out some of the wood floor system to do that, or and the same thing on a second-floor application. So uh, that's a very, very popular project, not only for my aging in place clients, but really for all my clients. Everybody wants to take that tub out and make it into that cool looking luxury shower. So, another thing that we often do is widen doorways. Uh, a lot of the doorways in my part of the world, in Houston, Texas, are 24 inch wide. They're, you know, 2 0 doors, and those are terrible. They, they are not even wide enough for someone using a standard walker to get through. Uh, but widening those structurally can be a challenge if there's cabinets right up against the doorway, light switches, and so on. Sometimes you just have to rebuild that stuff. Uh, sometimes we can get where we need by just adding swing clear hinges. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those, but they're hinges that you can buy. I think they actually have them at some of the box stores now. Mm-hmm. That allow they go. They, you, you fasten them onto the door and the jam the same at the same locations that the existing hinges are, so you use the same door. Uh, but they allow the door to swing completely out of the opening, so right. it gives you a, an extra inch and three-quarters 
of space on a 2-0 door, and just that alone can make, make it work, and it's much cheaper. So if you have somebody on a budget, those swing clear hinges uh, are great. I buy them online as well, so if you Google that, you should be able to find them, and they come in you know, different finishes. Another thing that we do is we, if we're redoing the cabinetry in a bathroom, is we'll take, we'll, we'll make the uh, area underneath the sink um, a, a roll under or a, a sink that one could use in a seated position, and we do that by making the front of the cabinet. Usually, there's two cabinet doors and a dummy front there, and we'll make the cabinet. Uh, the bottom portion of that, the doors and the floor of it, removable. So you literally can slide it out and go put it in the garage or somewhere else in the house, and it becomes a fully accessible sink. But when it's in place, it looks like it was a, is it a permanent cabinet, and you know no one would be the wiser. So if people are, con- are concerned or worried that people are going to think it looks handicapped or something like that, you just use it uh, with its ass- in its assembled yeah, manner it. for a while. So it's, it's a pretty cool way to kind of hide it. Another thing you can do if you've got somebody on a budget and you need to widen the doorway a little bit is just take the dang door off and just put a simple curtain rod across it, and they can use a curtain for privacy. There you go. So that's a good one. Um, adding better lighting is a good one, not just in the bathroom. You know, if, uh, when you get to be 50, you need 60% more light to do tasks than when you're 18 years old. Uh, anybody that's over 50 and has to use their cell phone to read the menu in the dimly lit you know, restaurant can attest to that. Um, so adding better lighting, we're, we're trying to use almost exclusively the LED lights, either 2700K or 3000K uh, color temperature LEDs because they're, they're wonderful for seniors and people with accessible issues because they don't have to change the bulbs probably right. ever. Right. And they're not hot. So those are, those are some cool ideas. And then probably the number one thing that we get calls for or incorporate into our bath projects is putting in gorgeous grab bars. Grab bars have come a long, long way in the last, even in the last five years. I don't know if you thought about this or noticed it, but if you go to a Lowe's or a Home Depot, they now have sections where they have a pretty good variety of grab bars and grab rails and uh, accessibility type of uh, products that they didn't have just a short time ago because our consumers are demanding that stuff, and they're, and they're getting much better looking. So they're not the big, chunky, clunky ones that you see in your doctor's office or the hospital. They're very sleek. They're narrower. They come in a variety of finishes. In fact, there's one company whose equipment we use a lot, products we use a lot, called Invisia. And you can see their products at Invisia.com. Let me spell it for you. It's I-N-V as in Victor, I-S-I-A.com. So they have grab bars that are disguised so they don't look like grab bars. So there's one that is uh, a grab bar that's actually a toilet paper holder. They have a grab bar that goes around your shower valve, kind of like a horseshoe over the top of your shower valve that just looks like a decorative accent, but it's actually a full ADA-compliant grab bar. They have a soap dish that fits in the corner. Another good idea is to add underfloor electric heating or toe-kick heaters or forced air heaters on the ceiling because older folks tend to be cold a lot. If you've been in older folks' homes, they have, usually have the, the heat turned up. Crank way up, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So those are some ideas for the bathroom. Those are awesome. They are awesome, and it's uh, uh, and you're right, uh, Dan. I do already use quite a few of these, and uh, so it would be easy to bring that into the business all the way. So great, great tips. But then I, I got to believe you're so you you gave us some great information on the bathroom, but I know it can't stop there. I mean, I got to think kitchen, other stuff as well, right? Absolutely. Ki- 
So let's talk about some kitchen things okay. that we do. One of the interesting things that we do is we put the kitchen faucet, the kitchen sink faucet, on the side of the sink. Who says it has to be in the back? Huh. On the side, it's easier for your kids to reach. It's easier for everyone to reach, whether they're standing or, seat or sitting. So that's a good idea. Also putting in a, a rolling island. I like to have a space under the counter where I can have an island that rolls under there, but then I can roll it out and have it be a lower countertop height for working space. Someone can sit there while they're preparing food and, and cooking. Plus, that opens up your whole area also for accessibility but when you get it out of the way, huh? Yeah, when it's out, of the, out from under the counter, someone can roll a wheelchair under there or sit there and work, and it's another comfortable awesome. you know, sitting person spot to work, so it's pretty cool. Um, the uh, motion sense faucets are pretty cool, too. I don't know if you've seen those. Kohler mm-hmm. makes a really good one, for example, and it's uh, motion-activated, but it works better than... You know, the ones at the uh, airport bathroom. Yeah, they got quite nice. <laughs> Thank God. The hard-wired <laughs> version and not the battery version because people do not want to get under there to change uh, out. So that's, that's a really big tip, right, because you it, can get great technology. But say it again because it's the hardwire version. Yeah, the hardwired. You have to have an outlet under your, under your sink, but okay. that's not too hard to do. Usually there's power under there for your disposer, and you can add an outlet down there. Sure. Okay. But put in one that works off of the home's electricity, the regular line voltage. Yeah, because the last time I was at the airport doing that, a guy asked me if I was an orchestra conductor. You just run from uh, waving your hand if it's not turning on, don't yeah. you? And we don't give up easily. We do that for a while. Same with the paper to the next towel one. dispenser. Yeah, yeah. Same kind uh, of thing. So, uh, so at, also in the in the theme of adding more lighting, uh, put your LED lights, whether they're strip lights or the LED ribbon lights, on the front edge of your upper cabinets, not on the back by the backsplash. Lights the entire counter much better. Right. Um, you might add plug strips along the leading edge of the countertop, just under the, your, your overhang on your granite, as well as at the top of your backsplash, so there's lots of places to plug things in. Uh, those are two. You, you just said two things that I had never considered uh, I think are great. One is those plugs up underneath there, and the other is putting the faucet on the side. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant. It's easy to do, and, you know, no one will... No one will object to that, to the look of those things, and they're very, very functional. We have a showroom in, in Houston that has all these features put in, and we've redone a house that has a lot of these features in it. So if someone's coming Houston way and they want to uh, come take a look at that, we have a lot of this kind of stuff in there. We, in the kitchen, too, we have and love our tubular skylights, which bring in a lot of natural daylighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they don't bring in any heat. They're so bright they bring in moonlight and sunlight in an amazing way and all of your colors pop you have full spectrum light uh making you feel good when you're in the space and adding you know more light to see by so that's another really really cool feature very good so what other aging in place renovations do you do inside the house um we we i've noticed that in a lot of bedroom closets there's no lights in there in the older home so we add lights on the uh, on the ceiling of the closet and put a door switch on instead of running a circuit to a normal wall switch so it's easier for people to use. Just open close the door to turn the light on and off. Uh, we take out bifold doors wherever we see them because they take up a lot of room when they fold to the side of the doorway. So it's nicer to have doors that, double doors that open up from the middle. Um, we check flooring, too, in bedrooms. If it's carpeting with a thick pad, that can be problematic for people as they get older, so we prefer cork floors or a pre-finished plank or a bamboo-type floor, uh, some kind of floating floor, so it gives somebody uh, some cushion if they fall is an important uh, one. 
good. So those skylights work uh, well in the in the bed in the bedrooms as well. And there's even one that has a nightshade, so you can turn the skylight off, if you will, um, made by Solitude that uh, doesn't wake you up on Saturday morning if you if you want to sleep in. Cool. And, and they can have a light kit in them as well, so you can use them as another can light at night if you want to. So those are some bedroom ideas. You want to talk about stairs? Yeah, let's do yeah, that. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge. So if we're if we're um, doing a renovation where we have the drywall off and we're either adding stairs because we're adding a second story or just doing a you know a whole house renovation, we'll add blocking in the walls, usually two by eight to two by ten blocking between the between the studs, so that uh, a chairlift could be installed on the wall later on. Uh, the chair, the chair glide. Some of them bolt just into the treads, and some of them have, need support in the walls. But that can be a real lifesaver for someone being able to stay home or not. Also, installing handrails on both sides of the stairs. As people get older and they have they take a long time to get up and down stairs, uh, they really need to be able to reach for a rail on both sides of the stairs to prevent falls. And it, that's not an expensive thing to do. Okay. Those chairlift <coughs> chairlift things can be. Excuse me. Can be, uh, you can buy them used on Craigslist for two or three thousand dollars. If you can find one in your area or new, they're maybe five thousand dollars, something like that. But as opposed to an elevator, it's a lot cheaper. We'll I, I actually considered that for my folks, I, I, and because it's just like um, the stairs are just a monster, and it's way cheaper than an elevator shaft. It is, and they really, they, most of the time they bolt to the treads you can put them in, including running the wire to the, where you have to have electrical supply in less than a day. It's a half-day project. Okay. And you don't have to be an expert to, to put them in, so pretty easy thing to do. Let's see, in attics, there's never enough light in attics. I always add some T8 fluorescence or some LED lights up there and make sure that the attic stairs are safe, because a lot of the ones in the homes I work on, which were built in the, in the early 60s, those stairs are rickety, and they are really, really dangerous. So I don't, enc- I don't encourage my senior seniors to be go- going up in the attic anyway. Yeah. But if they're going to, you at least want to make sure that it's, uh, that it's safe. And that's, that's not just a senior's list of suggestions. That's good for you or me or anybody that lives in an older home. Yeah, we have a local uh, lumber yard mm-hmm. here that has a... Uh, an electric li- stair lift for the attic. And oh, I th- cool. I think they actually, someone there actually invented it, so I see it on display. I've never checked price or anything, but it looks pretty cool. That does sound cool. That'd be even easier because you don't have to pull down and unfold Absolutely. the stairs. Mm-hmm. So in basements, you, you, know, you want to bring in natural light where you can and add lighting, so adding a basement window at ground level is, or two is a really, really good idea. Again, you want to make sure there's railings on both sides of the stairs and, and add some good, good quality lighting with the T8 fluorescence on the ceiling. And, of course, make sure your stairs are generally safe and not too rickety. So that makes sense. And those are places that people typically don't think about. And, and then that's op- perfect opportunity for trouble, right, because it hadn't been thought about. What yeah, about people do go down to the basement. Yeah. A lot yeah. of people have their laundry facility down there or- you know, they go down for things they've stored. So, well, I and, just figured you knew my mom when you talked about going into the attic or places that you shouldn't be going at age ninety. You know, that's her lifestyle. So, <laughs> yeah, don't they tell get more me. Stubborn as they get older. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, what about like just in general, Dan? Around the house, entrances, garages, 
you're, you're giving us stuff that people don't typically think about. What, what are the kinds of things like that would you recommend? Yeah, just some general around-the-house things. Change out the locks on the exterior and interior doors to the lever handle locks. You may have noticed in the box stores and at your hardware suppliers that there's way more lever-style handles now than there are the, the round-knob ones. So the market's completely changed in the last 10 or 12 years, and it's because consumers really like those lever handles. You can, you can you, you open the door with your elbow if you've got an armload of groceries. They're just a lot easier to use. Uh, so those are good, except unless you have a border collie like I do, who immediately figured out how, figured to, out how the, to do open it. Open the door and go outside, and then never close the door. So I right. just like I, I like you know they talk about butt hinges. This I just refer to as the butt handles because you're being nice with your elbow, but you know talented as I am, I can actually open the door with my butt now, and I got my hands full. Well, that gives a whole new meaning to turning the other cheek. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it over. All right, we better keep moving. Yeah, thanks. We don't don't send us a video of that, okay? <laughs> he <won't>. No way. <laughs> so, if you're putting in new windows, consider putting in casement windows. Those are the ones that crank open. Yeah. The ones you have to lean over a countertop, for example, and lift can be a lot harder on people's backs to use. Uh. Uh, widen doorways. Just you know, if you're doing a major renovation, your door interior door should be at least 34 inches wide, and your local mill workplace is starting to get used to that request. 36 is even better, 36 inches. Or if you have to do 32-inch door, then put in the swing clear hinges that I, I mentioned earlier. Got it. Also, here's an interesting one. You lower your light switches to 48 inches off the floor. They're usually about 5 feet. But you lower them to 48 inches to the middle of the box and raise the outlets to 18 inches. And then it's much easier for everyone to use, not have to lean over so far to plug things in. And children can reach the, reach the light switches more easily too. So, do you do uh, the rocker switches, Dave? Is, yeah, uh, always do yeah. Some, uh, some kind of rocker switch, whether it's Decor or Leviton or whatever. Those are much easier to use, and you can use you can turn the lights on and off with your butt with those too if you want. <laughs> I haven't tried that. Yeah, so, especially yeah. at forty-eight inches, I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah, you might have to jump a little. It's a new Olympic sport. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, at entrances coming in, sometimes there's terrible lighting there, and it can be dangerous to come in at night and not be able to get your key in the keyhole very easily, so be sure there's adequate lighting over, over the back door. And if you're doing any flat work, um, uh, it's a great idea to replace the sidewalk leading from the driveway or from the front of the house and slope it up as it gets to the front porch so that it's a zero-step entry, so that it's a continuous ramp and just landscape around it if you need to hide that, that rise in height. Uh, that's really nice for people not to have to step up at the mm -hmm. front porch like we all do on our existing homes. Sure, and you've already got your built-in slope to run the water off, so you're good to go. Mm -hmm. Yep, you got the slope there, absolutely. Um, keep fire escape paths in mind when you do this, because if you just make it uh, easy to get in one door of the house, and people can't get out that door in case of a fire. You need to sort of have a plan B or discuss with them how they would get out of the other doorway, too. Yeah, talk, talk about that for a second, um, if, if, if you would, Dan, because you see these advertisements, you know, for the, the emergency stairs, but your average 70-, 80-year-old person is not throwing those stairs out the window and, you know, popping on down. What, so how, how do you have people thinking about designing those fire escape paths? Well, obviously, it's more difficult if they're on the second floor. So in that case, you would probably have somebody trying to pull them out through the window, you know, the fire truck getting there with the ladder kind of thing. So you want right. to be sure your windows are changed 
and maybe enlarged to meet egress, egress codes, code okay. requirements. So that would be a really important one. Another, another thing can be to make sure that the homeowner has some neighbors, you know, on either side of them or across the street that are aware of their situation and could help come be at the first responder on the scene if there was such a problem and have the phone numbers, you know, at the ready just in case. So that's something you could do for your own family, but also mention it to a client if you're working with a senior. Makes sense. So that's a tough one, getting out of the second floor. It depends on how much time you have. Yeah. Uh, here's a good idea, though. There's a product called a 911 Guide Light, G-U-I-D-E-L-I-G-H-T. Mm-hmm. You Google that, it's a, a product that you can buy for $100 that where you uh, have a bright blue flashing strobe light that you stick on a front window of the home, and if you and you put a little gizmo on your hardwired phone, and if someone dials 911 from inside the home, that strobe light automatically begins flashing a brilliant blue, and it lets the, the fire truck or the ambulance find you much faster. Wow, great idea. Okay. Bucks. Cool. So that's a good idea, too. Um, garages, uh, sometimes we put ramps in garages so people can more easily get from the lower part of the garage where you get out of the car to the, you know, the upper part where you go into the, into the home. But the most common thing we do in garages is to replace that one crappy light bulb with a, with a T8, you know, two-bulb fluorescent fixture or just a, some kind of better lighting in there. I don't know why builders originally put in the, the lone light bulb, but it's... It's the, never enough. The I do, but we'll just keep going. The minimum yeah. codes. Yeah, that's right. So if your vision's lower anyway, then going into the dimly lit garage and tripping on something is is more likely. So we want to put in good lighting in the garage for sure. Well, we touched on this earlier, Dan, and I just kind of moved past it, but what about elevators? Is it worth putting an elevator in? You know what? It's an expensive project, but if you have a client who has a strong need – you know, they love their home, but they can't get, they have to get upstairs and can't, and they have enough budget, then these are great projects to do. So there's three different ways to do an elevator. You can put it on the outside of the house, where it's literally a shaft that's built outside the house on a slab. So you go into it from the living room, you go upstairs, and you go into the master bedroom or into a bedroom upstairs. Uh, that's probably about an eighty or $90,000 project by the time you tie it all in and do a roof. Then there's uh, putting an elevator between existing floors um, inside the home. That's even harder, so that's going to be a little north of that cost-wise. You have to make a structural opening in the floor and build the entire shaft, and it's a pretty invasive process. Yeah. But there's a new product called a pneumatic elevator that works just like that, that where you put your money in the tube at the bank and it goes sliding through the clear tube. Yeah. It's, a, it's two, two tubes, a clear one, and then there's a tube inside of that that the occupant sits in and it works by sucking out air. There's a powerful 220-volt vacuum motor on it that pulls the car up, and you can see out just like if you were you know, a mouse in the bank, in the bank version. <laughs> and you can I... see out as you go up. They're one-, two-, and three-person versions, and they can go up two stories, or they can go up to a third story, some of the models, too. If you go to the International Builders Show, you can ride in them and actually see what they feel like. They're very quiet. They're very safe, code-approved. And they can be put, uh, if you have a balcony in the house between the first and second floor inside, you know, an overlook looking down, you can just bolt the thing to the balcony and you don't have to do any structural work at all. So there's no shaft required with these guys. They're great. They cost about $30,000 installed, but they install very quickly. So it can be a great new alternative for helping somebody 
to be able to stay in their home by putting in a pneumatic elevator. Like the, I've got about 50 politically incorrect thoughts going through my mind right now. Um, <laughs> I'm, just thinking, <laughs> I'm just thinking Jetsons. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, never mind. I, <clears throat> that's, um, I love that idea, that pneumatic thing. They, I like that cool. one. They have a safety device too, so if the power goes out and you're in the up, it's in the up position. Uh, it only lets the air back in at a very slow pace, so the car gently rides back down to the ground floor. Yeah, see, because I have a vision of my hey, John, my wife, hey, John, come on, let's you know, let's let's go upstairs, and she gets me in the little thing, and then turns off the power like that. That'll keep yeah, me busy. Teenage kid for the evening. Just to yeah. Be funny. Yeah. Where's Where's Dad? All right. Um, <laughs> That was never mind. And we're going to go. So what's so um, last thing that you would recommend, Dan, for uh, a professional audience listening to what we're talking about today? Uh, I would highly recommend that people take the certified aging in place uh, certification classes from the National Association of Home Builders. If you go to NAHB, National Association of Home Builders, NAHB.org, mm-hmm. and you put CAPS in there, C-A-P-S, mm-hmm. Certified Aging Place Specialist, it'll pull up the course requirements and where you can take the classes and where they're, be- where they're scheduled to be going on around the country. If you get that certification, you have a national certification in this type of work, which opens doors for you to work for all kinds of institutions if you want to. You can be the one that's called by hospitals, some people coming out of hospitals, etc. But you'll also be listed there for the public to find you, not only on the National Association of Home Builders site, but even more importantly on the AARP website. So this is a program that we created in partnership with the AARP and the building community. So they push us too. So people can in your town or city can find you and uh, you can get some work from that. You can also really market this by putting the logo on your website and your brochure and all your marketing materials and and show that you're CAP certified and use it to beat up your competition if they're not. There you go. So given that we've got um, an audience of professionals, I, I love it when we can kind of summarize, like, so the main points when we get all this kind of information. So if you were going to say, hey, pros listening – if you want to take these main points away from the podcast or the procast, what would it be? What would you tell them, Dan? Hmm. Well, I would say you already know that homes aren't built for people's changing abilities over time, but remodelers can fix that, and I think we have a, a duty to do that. And you can do it well if you have these new ideas. This is a huge, profitable boomer, boomer and senior market, so you're crazy if you don't take advantage of it. The CAPS training and the universal design classes that that the NAHB puts on teach you how to do this beautifully with lots of photographs of homes that have already been done this way so you can really see how it works. And most importantly, I think this is God's work. These features that we're putting into people's homes make a real difference in people's lives. If you can prevent people from falling in bathrooms and making it homes easier and safer for families, uh, it's great. And Best of all, you can apply these principles to your own family and your own life. So there are lots of pluses for being conscious of this and putting it into practice. It'll be better for you when you get older. Awesome. It is, man. Wow. Thanks, thanks, Dan Byron. This is just great stuff, and uh, I feel like everybody uh, in, the, in the industry can use this. So right. Thank uh, you. Take, no take care with that, guys. Go out there and, and uh, get, a, get involved with that. Hey, if you want to check out Dan's company website, uh, free articles on aging in place and universal design, 
um, and his great remodeling projects, check out LegalEagleContractors.com. That's LegalEagleContractors.com. You can also get more information about CAPS program at NAHB.org. All right, so now we're going to dive in and uh, have a little bit of fun in this kind of new segment that we're doing called the uh, Spare Parts Box. And we, Dave and I, you know, take turns each week just kind of reach in the Spare Parts Box and, and toss out something that we think is valuable. You know, we don't want to get rid of it. And this week, um, just simply going to talk about questions versus answers. And as, I, as I've gotten, like, more into the business and arguably older and maybe wiser, I have learned that questions, not answers, are your best friend when you're face-to-face with your customers. We all have a tendency to, to know what we can do and want to do and to just fire those things out and, and, and the customer takes it or doesn't take it. Taking a little bit more time, asking the questions about you know what they want to do, what they've done, what ideas they have. More questions will provide fewer answers, but the best answers. And so that's uh, that's what I'm dragging out of the spare parts box this week. Questions, uh, not answers. Go I, ahead, David. I'm I sorry. I agree 100% and you know some of the some of the the, the best sales training programs out yes. there that's exactly what they use is that you are posing a question to someone you really already know the answer but you want them to, to answer that question because then they feel like they've come up with the remedy or the, the way to solve the problem. So uh, it keeps them more involved, and uh, it's great. It lets them be involved in the, in the total conversation. So uh, I, I like just think, that. Yeah, and I just think what we just went through with Dan, right? So if we just told him, talk about this, talk about this, talk about this, we never would have heard the great ideas about you know faucets on the sides, different kind of lighting. We never would have had the pneumatic tubes answer. So, so Dan, thank you so much for being with us this week. Um, as you know, as we went over there, uh, I'm, I'm I think, um, really that that wraps us up. Uh, if if you want to listen to this podcast, you want to share this podcast, you can visit us at proconstructionguide.com uh, and and check it out there, absolutely. And if you haven't gotten your copy of Pro Construction Guide, then visit the Home Depot closest to you, they'll have copies at the pro desk, they're free. Grab a few of them and hand them out to your guys. Make sure that make sure they're reading them on the job site. Share them with your other subs out there too. They may not know they're available. There's just too much good information in there to pass it up. If you've got any feedback for us, give us a call at 866-647-2346. Leave us a message. We really do want to hear your thoughts. And we'll see you in our next episode of the Pro Construction Guide Magazine's ProCast podcast. We hope you will make us a valuable tool in your toolbox.